Father, we thank you for this story, and we ask that you would speak to us through it, even though it's strange um, on first glance and perhaps strange generally. But um, Lord, I know that you want to say, I know you want to speak to people this morning, and would you speak to each of us and change us? Um, Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, Welcome if you're uh, joining us online. It's really good to have you. My name's Mark. I'm the curate here. And hello to you if you are here in the hall as well. Um, I don't know what your favourite sitcom is. Uh, One of my favourite sitcoms is a sitcom called Frasier. Probably you'll find it on Dave or something like because it's quite old now. But um, in Frasier, there's these two brothers. One's called Frasier and one's called Niles. And they are super competitive. Uh, They want to always get ahead of one another and they want to get ahead of everyone else as well. And uh, one day, um, I think it's Niles, comes into Fraser's apartment and says, I've just found out about the most exclusive club in all of Seattle, and I can get us in. And they both get very excited, and they go in uh, to this club. Well, they go in, and uh, as they enter the main suite, uh, they notice that there's a bronze door. And they say to the receptionist, what's the bronze door? And the receptionist says, well, this is only for bronze club members. Uh, You have to be a bronze club member to go through that door. And of course, they really want to get in. And so they pull a few strings, talk to the right people. Eventually, they get in behind the bronze door and into the bronze uh, level club members. And they get there, they're enjoying themselves, and they're having a great time. And then they see a silver door. Would you believe there's a silver door? And they want to get behind the silver door. And so they find out how to get behind the silver door. Uh, They meet maybe the chairman of of the club, and they get in behind the silver door, and they're enjoying themselves, sipping some wine. And then they see another, there's a gold door. And they, they desperately, how do we get behind the gold door? Well, finally, they get behind the gold door. There aren't many people in there, but they're having a great time because they're, they're inside. They've, they've made it. They're in the gold door. And then the most horrifying thing happens. They see a platinum door. A pla- who would have thought there's a platinum level? And there's no one else around, and they think, well, what can we, how can we get through it? And they think, well, they're so desperate to get on the inside. They, they barge through it, and they're barging through it with all their might, and eventually they, end, they get through the door, and they land outside in a pile of rubbish because they have not got into the platinum level members club. They have got through the fire exit. <laughs> And they have ended up outside, or in the garbage, really. It's it's an American program. But they've landed in in the rubbish. And not only that, now the the fire exit, because it's a good fire exit door, is closed behind them. And they're not even in the gold members suite anymore. They're on the outside. Maybe you can relate to that desire to get on the inside. Have you ever felt that? Maybe in a friendships, you think, if only I could get on the inside of this friendship, then I'd be happy. Then I'd feel like I'm on the inside. And then you get there and you think, oh, uh, where can I get to now? Or maybe um, at work, you think, "If, if only I can get that promotion, then I'll be on the inside. If only I can get that car, or if only I can get this, then I'll feel on the inside. There's a longing in our hearts to feel on the inside of things. And uh, in the Bible, that, that word, um, we could sum up in the word blessing, that longing to feel that sense of blessing, that sense of favor, that favor ultimately that we can never fulfill in a thing or even a person, but it, we can only fulfill in God. And we try in a, a whole range of ways uh, to get on the inside, and working really hard. Uh, maybe we, we read at Seven Ways to Success. Um, and maybe it's a great book, but we, that doesn't actually get us to where we really, really want to be. 
Uh, maybe we try um, all kinds of different um, spiritualities and religion because maybe that will get us on the inside where we long to. Or maybe we try religion. Maybe we even try Christianity. And we think, if only I, if I pray enough, if I read my Bible enough, if I go to church enough, if maybe if I get baptized, then I'll be on the inside. Then I'll, then I'll be on the inside. Maybe I'll get God's favor that way. How do we get on the inside? Well, the story of Genesis is actually the story all about blessing. Do you remember at the beginning, um, God blesses um, creation. He blesses the, 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 the trees. He blesses Adam and Eve. He blesses creation. And now we're at the other end of Genesis, and we see that Jacob is blessing his sons. Uh, blessing, that Hebrew word, um, means to experience God's favor. Uh, blessing, one commentator says, brings the power for life, the enhancement of life, uh, the increase of life. And isn't that what we're looking for? Fullness of life. But how do we get it? Is there a better way of getting it? Well, in this very, I don't know if you thought as this was read, this is a strange story, isn't it? It's a strange story. And as you kind of try and follow it, you think, what on earth is going on with these crossed hands and people on someone else's knees and what on earth is going on? Well, there's three ceremonies or three scenes that we have here. And the first one is is an adoption scene. So Jacob is at the end of his life. Do you remember the brothers have ended up in Egypt after the famine? And they're, they're now um, reconciled with one another after falling out, after selling Joseph into slavery. And, and now they're, they're, in, in, they're in a good relationship with one another. And Jacob is at the end of his life. And God has given Jacob the blessing um, that he'd promised to his fathers, um, Abraham and Isaac, of becoming a great nation and having a, gr- a, a great land and, and, and having a, a massive family, that through that family the whole world would be blessed. And now he realizes he needs to pass that blessing on to his uh, children, to the family that will uh, pres- uh, uh, come out of his life. And, uh, and Joseph um, comes to visit him with his two children that he has, um, Manasseh and Ephraim. And, uh, and Jacob says uh, to them, look, I, I want to adopt them into my family. I, it, it seems that he, he thinks that this is part of God's flat plan to adopt these two children to be part of the family. Because you may remember that Joseph, um, one of the gifts that Pharaoh gives him is um, to be married to the priest, an Egyptian priest, the priest of On. And so th- his children are, are, are part of Jacob's family in one way, but they're also part of Egypt. And so Jacob knows if they're really going to carry the blessing that God has promised, they need to be adopted into this family. And so what, they do, what he does is he brings uh, the children close to him. And uh, you may, may, I didn't notice this when I read it, but there's this uh, very legal um, scene where um, Israel keeps saying his name and he says, who are these children? And, and it's very official. And Joseph says, uh, these children are, the, are gifts from God. Um, and then um, Jacob says, bring the children to me. And, uh, and they lie on Jacob's knees which might seem a little bit strange. Why are they lying on Jacob's knees? But in that culture, um, that, what that meant was that it, it was like saying, and, and these weren't babies, by the way. These were, these were children. These were older children. So they, were, you know, they would be kneeling and having their face on Jacob's knees. It was like a sign of saying this. Um, you, are, you are actually mine. Uh, verse 5 says this. Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here will be reckoned as mine. 
Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. As, as, they, as their heads are on their knees, it's like saying, look, it's, it's almost like you've come from my body. It's almost like I've given birth to you. You are my children now. And that means that you'll inherit the blessings that God has promised my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and now me, and, and you as well. You're going to inherit um, these, these blessings because you're mine. You're adopted. You're reckoned as mine. This is the way we get blessing. It's by being adopted. Not by Jacob, but being adopted by God. Um, in, uh, in Ephesians 1, one of my favourite uh, chapters in the whole Bible, um, this is what Paul says. Ephesians 1 verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, that Greek word adopt, again, is a legal term. It means that you're not, no one can ever question it later on. Are you really adopted? Are you really my children? No, it's, it's, it's like written on, in stone. It's written on a, on a scroll, if you like. It's, it's done. It's definite. You've got a certificate to prove it. You're adopted. You're legally, um, you're legally mine. And, and you're not any different from any other children. You're in the same situation. Just like uh, Jacob says, you will, be, you will be my sons, just like um, Reuben and Simeon. You'll be equally mine. And what God does through Jesus, uh, he adopts us into his family so that when we put our trust in him, we are his. We're his children. And we're co-heirs with Christ because obviously God, Jesus is God's son. And now we have the same legal standing as Jesus, meaning that we get everything that's coming to Jesus for his perfect obedience. We're legally adopted. Let me ask you, do you know that? Do you know that you belong to God? If you've put your trust in what he's done for you on the cross, you are his. It's like you lie over his knee and he speaks over you. You are mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. Your your brother is Jesus. You are mine. And if you're, you know, in in the passage that we've just read... Um, Jacob, he refers to God um, using the, the phrase God Almighty. And that's a Hebrew word to say the powerful one. The powerful one has adopted you, but not just the powerful one, the sufficient one. What he's done for you is enough. And that means you don't need to go trying to barge through doors to try and get on the inside of God's blessing. You don't need to do that kind of thing. It's been done for you through what Jesus has done. How do we get in on the inside? How do we get into the place of blessing? Firstly, through adoption into God's family. But secondly, there's a second ceremony because we also get blessing through God's word. Now, the second ceremony is this um, uh, because um, I don't know if you noticed, but Jacob, uh, Joseph sorry, takes the two children off um, Jacob's knees and they start as if to say that's the end of the adoption ceremony. And now we're going into the blessing ceremony. And, uh, and he says to uh, the children, come here uh, so I can reach out my hands to you and bless you. And Joseph at this point does some very clever stage management, or at least he thinks it's very clever. Because in, in that culture, the right hand was like, the, being under the right hand was like being under the powerful hand, the, 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 the hand of authority, of glory and power. And so if you wanted, uh, if you had a favorite son, which I don't recommend by the way, but if you did, you would put them under the hand, under the right hand. And so what Joseph does is he puts Manasseh, the eldest, the firstborn, under Jacob's right hand and Ephraim under his left hand and he thinks well that way 
uh, Manasseh will get the, the better blessing, the, the bigger blessing. But what happens? I don't know if you noticed, but Jacob crosses his hands. And, and, and Joseph goes, no, 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 no. Manasseh's the oldest. He should get the blessing. Well, don't cross your hands. Put them back. And, uh, and Jacob says, no, my son, no, I, I, know, I know what you mean. But actually, this is the right way. Now, it's a strange scene, isn't it? Why does Jacob do that? Uh, there's a passage in the New Testament in Hebrews 11, uh, which is all talking about great people of faith. And um, Jacob ha- is mentioned in just one verse. And it's in this one verse that is like the pinnacle of his life. Um, admittedly, he's made a lot of mistakes, so there's probably quite a lot that you wouldn't put in there. But nevertheless, this is what he says, uh, what the writer to the Hebrews says. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. In other words, Jacob, as he was blessing the sons, he, he, he was trusting God. He was, he was seeking God's plan. And even if God's plan didn't make any sense to him, he was going to trust what God was asking him to do. Uh, the story is designed to make us think back to another story earlier in Genesis that we looked at, I think, last year. Um, because did you notice in the story that um, Jacob, it's, his eyesight is failing him? Did you notice that? Does that remind you back to another story? Because do you remember um, when Jacob's father Isaac is at the end of his life, he's about to pass the blessing on uh, to his sons. And what does Jacob do? Well, he goes, well, I know that my dad's losing his eyesight. Maybe if I dress as the elder son, Esau, who I know is going to get the blessing, if I dress up as him, make myself more hairy and so on, and put on some kind of accent or something, then maybe I'll get the blessing. Maybe if I stage manage things, if I try and manipulate the situation, I'll get the greater blessing. But Jacob's a little bit older now and he's a little bit wiser. And he realizes there's no point trying to manipulate things. There's no point trying to stage manage things. No point bargaining with God. Ultimately, what we have to do is surrender to God's plan and live according to God's word. God won't bless things not according to his word. He'll only bless things that go according to his word. And so he surrenders. He says, okay, God, I trust you and I'll do things your way, even if it doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you a little story. Um, When I was 16... Uh, I tried, and I think we've all been there. Maybe you haven't said this particular prayer, but we've all been there. Have you been there where you've been trying to coerce God into doing something for you? And you've been trying to bargain with God? Well, I was 16, and, um, and as a 16-year-old, I, in the horizon, I could see something terrible was going to happen to me. Because uh, my dad was bald, and, and, my, and my dad's dad was bald. And I thought, there's nothing worse than losing my hair. There's nothing. I can't imagine life without hair on my head. What? God, I know, if I pray, maybe I'll pray. And God, please, I will obey you the rest of my life. If you do just one thing, you let me keep my hair. Now, some of you are thinking, Mark, you can't fool me. I can see that receding hairline. It's going to happen to you sooner or later. You, I know you're not, but you, you haven't perfectly obeyed God. But you, have, you, have you been there where you've been trying to bargain with God? I don't think that now, by the way, in case anyone's been slightly offended by my little comical <laughs> 16-year-old stupidity. But anyway, um, but have you ever been there where you've been trying to bargain with God? Trying to coerce God to do things your way when, when God's saying, no, this is the way. And you're like, but wait, what if we did it this way, God? You ever been there? Maybe you're there now trying to convince God to do things your way instead of his way. 
You know, um, I'm not as old as Jacob at this point, but I'm gradually learning that the best way is always just to say, God, okay, I don't understand. And I'd quite like to do it this way. But you know, not my will, but your will. I trust you. I'll surrender to you, and I'm going to try and quit manipulating you and trying to stage manage my life for you to do things my way. You do things your way, because it is the best way. I trust you. And so he does. And so he crosses his hands. And actually, do you know what happened? Um, God does fulfill the promises that we see in these passages, because Ephraim and Manasseh will become um, two of the largest tribes eventually. And, and amazing things will happen through, uh, through their larger families uh, later on because God does keep his promises. So we have two ceremonies so far. We have the adoption ceremony and the blessing ceremony. And then we have the, the, the third ceremony, which is a wider blessing ceremony where, um, where Jacob invites all his children to come before him, particularly the sons, um, because in that culture, the sons, uh, they inherited uh, the blessings. Now, um, and... and Jeanette only actually read one part of the blessing because otherwise the reading would have been even longer than last week. And I, I don't know about you, I struggled to listen to the whole of last week's reading. But, um, but Jacob, um, he, he, he blesses the, um, his sons. And the first three sons, um, they don't, if you read them later, you'll, you'll go, hang on a minute, that doesn't sound like a blessing. If, if someone said, let me bless you, I would really hope they wouldn't say that kind of thing because they're like anti-blessings. But actually... Um, J- Jacob's three eldest children have, have really gone, gone off script and they're, they're really awful people. And you think, actually, maybe you don't want them to take on the leadership of the family. And so it's Judah, actually, despite his past, actually, because if you read back um, in Genesis, you'll realize he's got, a, he's got a horrible past. I mean, this guy, this guy was not only the person who decided, wouldn't it be a great idea to sell Joseph into slavery just to make a profit? But um, there's, a, there's a horrible scene in chapter 38 where he decides it's a good idea to sleep with a prostitute only to find out that it's his daughter. I mean, it's just a horrendous scene. And what this passage shows us is that even if our past is a total and utter mess, as Judas was, God can still work through you. He can still change your life. And if you didn't listen to uh, Nat and, uh, and Janet last week, uh, they showed really powerfully how God is at work in Judah's life. Uh, changing him. Um, and so Judah, has, he's changed. And now the blessing is going to come through Judah. And we're going to see that not only does blessing come through adoption, not only does it come through when we, we live according to God's word, but it comes through God's king. Now listen very carefully to the, the words and the imagery of the blessing that Jacob gives to Judah. Verse 8 says this, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. The scepter will depart from Judah, nor the ruler, sorry, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he is, until it, he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. Do you hear the imagery? Uh, uh, bow down. Lion. Scepter, ruler's staff, obedience of the nations. What are, what are all these images, what, what do they conjure up in your mind? They conjure up in my mind the image of a king. 
Uh, you know, you bow down before a king. Uh, you, uh, the, the king of the beasts is the lion. Uh, a scepter or a ruler's staff is, is something that a king would hold to show their authority. Um, the obedience of the nations would only come to a king, not just to any person walking down the street. A great king is going to come through the family tree of Judah. We say, well, who is this great king? Well, you might think, oh, well, maybe it's David or Solomon. They were great kings. If you read on in the Bible, um, David has the most incredible empire. And people did bow down before him. And he did hold um, uh, a ruler's staff. And, and nations did come, that, come to him and, uh, and bow down to him. But it can't be David or Solomon. Because this verse, verse 10, says that, that the king is given a scepter, you know, a ruler's staff that will not depart from him. But you know that David and Solomon, they both died. In fact, after Solomon's reign, the kingdom is ripped in part, partly because of their own disobedience to God. And and the kingdom is left in an absolute mess. And no one actually is really of any kind of king after that. Not any kind of standing like David. So who is it? Who is this king? Who will be given praise by every tribe and tongue? Uh, Who will utterly defeat the greatest enemies, put their feet on the neck of the enemies of death and sin and Satan. Uh, Who will rule for eternity? Who will be perfectly obeyed by all the nations? Who does the kingship belong to? Well, if you read uh, the beginning of the New Testament, uh, beginning of, say, Matthew's Gospel, there is a, a family tree. And it shows right from King David all the way, sorry, right from Judah all the way to King David, And on to the promised king, Jesus Christ. The one who will fulfill all these promises and more. The one who ultimately we find blessing in when we get in right relationship with him. And I said at the beginning that that blessing brings power for life, enhancement of life, and the increase of life. Jesus says, I've come to give life and life in all its fullness. And we get in on the inside of that blessing, um, not because we live good lives like Judah, but because God works by his spirit to change us. We get on the inside of that blessing because of his grace. It's an undeserved favor that he gives us. We get on the inside of that blessing, not by barging down a door or trying to work our way there, but by trusting that he's adopted us as his sons and daughters, by trusting his word, his promises to us. You know, there is no one is the, that deserves to be bowed down to like Jesus. The one who is both majestic, like a lion that you stand in awe of. I don't know if you've ever seen a lion. You think, wow, the, the power. And yet is also our brother. Jesus is her brother. And not like, um, I was going to say not like my brother, but he might be listening. Not like I'm a brother to my brother. <laughs> Not, not, not someone that is always trying to get something from them or, you know, small children arguing over toys. Someone who loves to give blessing to us, who would even sacrifice himself for us so that we could be blessed with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ. Again, Ephesians 1 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know... We don't need to depend on being a good enough Christian, doing enough, reading our Bible enough, praying enough to get on the inside of blessing. 
We don't have to turn to other spiritualities. In the bookshop of Waterstones or online, you see a whole section of spiritualities and beliefs. Occasionally, it's spiritualities and religions. You don't need to look at all that stuff because the blessing comes through Jesus Christ. You don't have to try and barge down some door to get on the inside. You just have to trust in what he's done for you. You know, Jesus, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he does perfectly what Jacob was beginning to do. He says, uh, Abba, Father, um, let this cup of suffering pass by me, but not my will, but yours be done. But do you know the amazing thing? He's using that intimate language of, of being a son. Abba, Father, means daddy. And yet on the cross, what does he say? He doesn't say Abba, Father. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, why doesn't he use the language of father anymore? Why is he just saying God, as if he's somewhat removed from God? Well, it's because he got disowned on the cross so that we could get adopted. He got cursed on the cross for our sins so that we could find blessing in him. He's opened the door to blessings so that we don't have to barge down the door. We can just enter in through the door. And enjoy relationship with him and every blessing in Christ. Forgiveness, eternal life, life in all its fullness, a powerful life. Because he gives us his Holy Spirit to live inside us, to give us power for all the different challenges that we face every single day. We're his, we're mine. Uh, we're his, we can say, God, you call me mine. We've been adopted. Can I invite you to stand? Um, we're going to sing in just a moment. Um, but I just want us to, uh, I want us to stand kind of in, in symbolically kind of going into shifting gear where we're not so much listening to me, but where we really focus on God. And you might just want to picture in your mind's eye, you might want to close your eyes, and you might want to picture that scene of Ephraim and Manasseh um, with their heads on Jacob's knee. And you might want to, Imagine yourself coming before the throne of God and him saying, come close and put your head on my knee. And you might just want to hear him say, you will be reckoned as mine. You're mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. As you put your trust in what my son Jesus has done, then you're a son just like he is to me. You're a daughter just like he is my son. And some people today, they might be saying, do you know what, I'm, I, I know I'm not living really according to God's will. I'm not, I'm not surrendering. I'm not trusting God. I'm trying to do things my way. I'm trying to manipulate and stage manage my life instead of surrendering to God. And you might just want to, whatever that situation, just hand that over to God.